Cathedral Studios production. I'm Lewis. I'm Matt. And I'm Mark. And this is Living Communion. Welcome back to Living Communion. We are beginning our journey into the depth of the contemporary Catholic social tradition. I know you're ready for this, but let us begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This is Psalm number eight. O Lord, our Lord, how awesome is your name through all the earth. You have set your majesty above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have drawn a defense against your foes to silence enemy and avenger. When I see your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars that you set in place, what are humans that you are mindful of them, mere mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them little less than a God, crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them rule over the works of your hands, put all things at their feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatever swims the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how awesome is your name through all the earth. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome beginning to our journey into the Catholic social tradition. We've gone through all of the historical foundations, obviously touching upon uh, the most critical. And now we're here. We're here diving into the contemporary social tradition, which is a wealth and, and depth of materials, concepts, ideas. And we're going to touch on some of the key principles, takeaway principles that are, that are important for us all to understand. And Mark's going to lead us in the first principle. What is the first principle that we're going to cover, Mark, in this journey? Right. Thanks, Lewis. So we're, uh, we're going to talk about the uh, priority of or the value of human dignity in the social teaching. And I want to begin with a, a quote from the U.S. Uh, Catholic Conference of Bishops. They say this. The Catholic Church proclaims that human life is sacred and that the dignity of the human person is the foundation of a moral vision for society. This belief is the foundation of all the principles of our social teaching. We believe that every person is precious, that people are more important than things and that the measure of every institution is whether it threatens or enhances the life and dignity of the human person. That quote really says so much about, uh, about the, the, the Catholic teaching. This, this is the bedrock principle upon which everything else is based. 
We've been ta- we've talked about it in past weeks. We talked about it in Scripture in, in Genesis one and in the the Psalm that uh, Matt prayed for us. We've we've seen it in the tradition of the church, um, and and we we really see it especially. We see it emerge as the bedrock principle of Catholic social teaching um, in Vatican two. The, the, the uh, document on the church in the modern world, Gaudium et Spes, has a whole chapter in part one. Part one, chapter one, is entirely devoted to human uh, dignity. <clears throat> and then, you know, it, you, you see references to human dignity sprinkled throughout the documents. Another one is the document, believe it or not, on religious freedom which begins this way. It says, a sense of the dignity of the human person has been impressing itself more deeply on the consciousness of contemporary man. So, you know, that, that's, that's just one of the beginning applications is, on the, is on when it comes to religious freedom, respecting the, the freedom of every human being uh, to, to express their faith in the way that they see fit because of, of human dignity. <clears throat> and so, you know, I, I'm sure Matt has, a, you know, a, a lot of details to fill in on this, but uh, I think I just want to stress how uh, fundamental the principle of human dignity is to the entire social teaching. Yeah, um, and I, I was a little shocked because I haven't read Gaudi with Spez since... 2008, um, <laughs> 13 years since I've looked at Gaudium at Spes. Um, and um, so when when you brought that quote that it's been impressing itself more and more on, you know, human conscience, I was like, oh, I gotta remember that Vatican II was a while ago now, because I, I think that might sound strange to a modern listener who, who looks around at the world and says, but human trafficking, but pornography, but um, spousal abuse, um, but a lack of concern for migrants and refugees, but capital punishment, but abortion, you know, but uh, unfair um, working conditions, you know, we we could keep going, Uh, genocide, Um, you know, there there are so many ways that we we look at our world and we say we're, we're not um, living up to this. And, and I've got, I got two, two comments to, to, to kind of make on that. One is, for those of you who are saying but, um, and looking at the world and saying we, we don't live out this concept of human dignity, you are in fact still upholding what the church is saying that it is something that we're more conscious of. Um, whether or not we're, we're living it out, we, we are, there, at least in, in some people, and I think in, in general, there, there is a sense of, of human dignity. Now people argue about what qualifies as human, which is unfortunate, or whether or not that dignity can be sacrificed or lost. And, and those are important conversations. And, and the other point I, I wanna focus on is that we, we have a lot of modern trends in, in our society that really battle with this, and and there are things that we're all tempted to, um, and and the obvious one is relativism. Um, that you know what's true for me might not be true for you, 
And if you uphold that, you, you have no basis for upholding any fundamental sense of human dignity or, or of anything else because you're, you're saying there's, there's no objective truth. Um, but I, I think the, the more kind of insidious one in our lives is um, utilitarianism that the ends justify the means or, or whatever promotes the greatest good um, as we see the greatest good um, justifies however we, we feel is needed to bring that about. Um, and we, I think we, we live in a very utilitarian culture. Um, and, you know, we, we want what we think is right. And sometimes what we think is right is right. Um, but the, the ways that, um, people engage in to bring that about, um, manipulation, lying, um, corruption, um, abuse of power in government, <clears throat> um, you know, in, in the, in the big world, you know, we, we see that. And then in our own lives, um, you know, we say, well, I I was trying to bring this, I was trying to do that. Um, and we don't see that when we lie to someone in order to try to bring about something better, we're undermining our premise by saying, you're not worthy of the truth. Um, I don't see you as someone that um, has the dignity of you know, receiving the truth. When we um, try to manipulate someone, we're seeing them as an object to get to the goal we want instead of a potential partner and certainly someone who, who is made as, as in God's image and likeness to help be engaged in that work. Yeah. So I, I think that is something we, we always have to be conscious of is whether we're treating someone in, when we talk about the, the life and dignity of the human person, are we treating them as a fellow agent a fellow um, moral actor, someone who's another person, or are we treating them as an end, as a means to an end? Are we trying to work through them to manipulate them to um, just get them on our side without really addressing them as as a human and, and dealing with whatever that means? Does it mean that we have to worry about some of the baggage they're carrying and help them with that baggage? instead of just trying to, to plow through it or take advantage of it. Yeah. That's, that's something we all need to keep in mind. Yeah, I think, uh, sorry, go ahead, Matt. No, go, go ahead, Lewis. I was just gonna say, um, you know, I think that the importance of this concept and when you're talking about both of those uh, Vatican II documents, the one on religious liberty and Guardian Met Spez, which really lays out just a whole framework for all the kind of developments and social understanding that kind of you know, are going to mark the next, next, until the next church council, basically. I mean, very fundamental ideas in, in Guardian Met's bed, which means joys and hopes, right? Where we share in the joys and hopes of all of human beings, of all of society. And I just think about what you were saying, Matt, when you were talking about how we have to reorient ourselves, right? And understand that people are most important. People are more important than any idea that we have, than any, than any, like, you know, economic model than any political model than anything, because they are fundamental. They are kind of, they are the, they are a fundamental reality that we have to respect. And I think this is, this really does touch every single thing, whether it be um, in ecumenism, 
in our respect for people's uh, like religious and cultural traditions, whether it's in, you know, how we think about what is a, uh, what is, you know, I even think about it in the family situation, you know, the, the idea, the old idea that kind of like, you know, whatever, whatever one person in the family says kind of goes type model was really based on a structure that didn't say everyone has equal dignity. It was kind of a hierarchical view of dignity, kind of like in degrees, right? Which is kind of a part of an old traditional model of, of kind of a hierarchy of, 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 of kind of human, human personhood in a sense. And that has really shifted uh, with this idea of the fundamental human dignity. I think about people with disabilities, you know, before it was like, you know, this person has disabilities, they kind of lack the human dignity. They lack the reason, which is like the fundamental dignity of that person. Think about the arguments about slavery. People were like, these people are not human. They don't have the same reason capacity. It was about like, it, it was it was a different framework. And I just think about how fundamental this shift has been with that being the primacy. All human persons have this uh, intrinsic dignity and worth. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, as you were talking, I, I was thinking about just how widespread and universal the application of this principle is. Matt's already brought up a number of things. I mean, if we take the principle of human dignity seriously, it should affect the way we think about everything from universal health care to immigration, to the death penalty, to abortion, to how we treat senior citizens, to uh, homelessness, to poverty, to race. It has, it has applications literally in every area of our religious political, cultural, and social lives. Uh, it, it, it's such a simple principle, and yet uh, it applies to so many uh, uh, aspects of, of our lives. It's, it's worthy of our, our reflection and meditation for a long, long time and over and over again. Yeah, I think a lot of people would just say, this is so basic, this is so fundamental. <laughs> but really, this takes this really, you know, just like all the principles that we're going to go through, if you really at the root say, you know, it's not about what I think or feel, but it's about this person's dignity before all of that. That has to be the prime consideration. That really is going to call you to conversion. That yeah. is, it's going to call you conversion. Well, one, one way that I, I, I uh, think about it is, is this. Uh, in this particular situation, what would I want for myself? What, you know, how would I want others to respect my dignity? And then turn that around and say, well, then what do I owe to everybody else? You know, we, 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 we all want to be respected. We all want to have our dignity acknowledged. Can we acknowledge it to literally everyone else? <laughs> that's, that's where the rubber meets the road, I think. Yeah, um, I, I was thinking as you guys are talking about um, actually uh, Pope Francis's newest document, Fratelli Tutti. And I, I haven't read the whole thing, but um, there's a great line in it, which I think really kind of applies to our situation right now. Um, and, you know, I've, I've talked before in some of my takeaways about how we just need to learn to talk with each other again. Um, but it really kind of brings home that this is a human dignity issue. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to read the, the whole quote. Um, so this is from paragraph 191 in Fratelli Tutti. 
at a time when various forms of fundamentalist intolerance are damaging relationships between individuals, groups, and peoples, let us be committed to living and teaching the value of respect for others, a love capable of welcoming differences, and the priority of the dignity of every human being over his or her ideas, opinions, practices, and even sins. I love that. The priority of the dignity of every human being over, and then fill in the blank. Whatever you want to put in there, the priority of the dignity of the human being comes first. Yeah, right, right. Well said. Yeah, he, uh, he has another, I'm glad you brought up Fratelli Tutti, because there's a number one, another one, no, number 37 in that document is titled, An Absence of Human Dignity on the borders, and he's talking about uh, both immigration and foreign aid, and how you know foreign aid has come to be uh, used for geopolitical ends rather than to enhance human dignity. So, yeah, I, I, I'm also fascinated with uh, Pope Francis in this sense too. He expands the notion of dignity, I think, to the entire Earth. That that you know the 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 Earth itself has a, a dignity you know that that we need to uh, respect. He he refers to the Earth as mother sister, you know, in in human terms. And so I think he's trying to expand the notion of dignity that we need to respect the dignity of the Earth just as we respect the dignity of each other. We are in absolute. We are absolutely connected. Uh, to each other and to the the earth in which we live. That reminds me of our talk when we began about Genesis and just the reality that human persons are part of a, a system. I mean, an integral ecology, if you will. And I think there have been some documents kind of talking about how uh, the human ecology and then kind of the ecology ecology or like the kind of the ecological world, including the universe and things, exist. Now, obviously, human persons made in the image and likeness of God have a special reverence. But when you look at all of creation, it all reflects God's glory in some way, which is why, you know, I remember, I think it was in Laudato Si, where it's like every species kind of in its own way speaks to the glory of God in its own individual way. Human person does that kind of part like excellence in a sense. But at the same time, we have to kind of have a conversion on that and recognize you know, talking about St. Francis of Assisi, right? He speaks about this relationship and, and in his sanctity and in his holiness was able to have a purified vision of his, how he's built into this whole system that God created and called him to take care of as a steward, as, as someone in deep relationship. Um, and I think that that's critical that we have to have that. Um, and that, you know, when we don't recognize the dignity of the person, you see how we don't recognize the dignity also of creation in general and of all the other things. If you don't recognize human dignity, you're not going to recognize the dignity of the earth, the dignity of, you know, uh, of even the river by your house, of the neighborhood where you walk around and you throw trash. You're not going to recognize anything because it, it, if people lose their value, everything else loses its value also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm reminded of a couple um, different comments. One is, um, it's a phrase that, that, some of our listeners may be very familiar with uh, Pope John Paul II uh, was famous for talking about a culture of life and a culture of death. Um, and um, Pope Francis has, has um, been using the term throwaway culture um, where, where everything's disposable. And the, the idea is that, you know, when 
you treat things as disposable people or, or the earth or whatever, you, you don't have a vested interest in its long-term well-being because it's disposable. Um, and, you know, going back to, to talking about the dignity um, and inherent in the beginning of creation, you know, this is a great time to go, go back to the basics, remember the creation story. And, you know, I, I think we talked about this, that before sin, there's, there's a basic order and, and peace and harmony in creation. And it entails harmony between human beings and God, harmony within human beings, between men and women, um, especially, and harmony between human beings and creation or the rest of creation, the earth. And it's, it's not a coincidence that um, one of the two creation stories puts us in a garden and our job is to care for the garden. We're stewards. We're, we're the gardeners. So our, you know, our relationship, how that dignity plays out and how we relate to other human beings is different than how we relate to God. Um, we worship God. We don't worship other human beings. Um, but we, we do have to treat other human beings as, um, you know, in a sense, worthy of, of reverence in the image and likeness of God. Um, you know, we, we have to say, wow, like this is God's image in front of me, whether it's someone, um, you know, dressed for the, the red carpet or someone who, um, is dirty and smelly and wearing clothes that, you know, look like they were handed down to them or, you know, have been in a gutter. Um, you know, that should be. If we saw the world clearly with the eyes of God, everyone would would be transfigured in a sense. Um, you know, we, we would see that kind of shining glory within them in, in a way that is probably very mysterious to each and every one of us because we, we don't see the world that way um, because of sin um, and because we're not God. Um, but if, if we really thought, wow, like everyone is the image of God, Regardless of what they do, you know, you can make it harder to see that image, but everyone is that image of God. Um, and we have to treat them as such. Yeah. And, you know, the same with, you know, caring for the earth. And we'll, you know, we don't want to get off on that because that's a whole other episode. Literally, come back later. It's a whole other episode. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's the same way. We're, we're stewards. Um, and, you know, when Jesus rises from the dead, he rises from the dead in a garden symbolizing that he's restoring what was lost. You know, we, we fell in a garden, we rise with Christ in a garden. And, you know, we, we return to the, you know, being, being given the ability to relate in this way again through, through the life of Christ that, that is within us. Um, yeah, I think that was all that I, I wanted to say on that yeah. part. <laughs> there, there, was, there was something else that struck me as I was, you know, you know, reading through different documents in preparation for this uh, podcast. And there were, uh, there, it's, it's a point that Pope Paul VI made on at least uh, two occasions. And, and it's this, that, that human dignity demands more than, than charity, as important as, as uh, charity is. He said in his address to the United Nations in 1965, he, he, he said this, it does not suffice, however, 
to feed the hungry. It is necessary also to assure each person a life conformed to his dignity. And then in Popolorum Progressio, two years later, he said this, the struggle against destitution, though urgent and necessary, is not enough. It is a question rather of building a world where every person can live a fully human life. And I think that's, you know, that, that, that's a, a, an important uh, principle uh, and an important point that needs to be made. Charity, as important as it is, is not enough to assure human dignity. Those things that we talk about, education and life and um, uh, food and clothing and shelter and all those kinds, those are foundational. That's not the extent of our mutual obligations to each other. That's the beginning of our mutual obligations to each other. Yeah, and we're, sorry, go ahead. I say we're gonna we're gonna get into some of those more deeper applications of human dignity throughout these themes, and and just want to point out one of them is is work. We we believe that to really flourish as human beings, we have to have work. Um, so anytime we're helping someone who's unemployed, but we're not trying to make conditions for employment better, we're, we're failing in promoting that flourishing. Yeah, and I think about how from St. John the 23rd all the way to Francis now, you know, just like how the Second Vatican Council documents were pulling out and saying the dignity of a human person is becoming more and more, it's like, it's, it's kind of that, it's a rising tide, right? A rising awareness. I know St. John the 23rd gave a whole long list of what we need to be fighting for, <laughs> including, and what people have a right to. And the right is based on their humanity and based on their human dignity of the proper social services, of employment, of um, health, uh, healthcare and care for their health and well-being, of uh, in necessary wages uh, for survival and living. All these things are deeply connected to human personhood. So when we think about, okay, how do I internalize this concept, right? We've just talked about how critical it is that we internalize this primacy, the prime uh, uh, component of Catholic social doctrine, that the human person, the life and dignity of the human person is of the utmost supremacy and importance over all systems, ideologies, and other things. So how do we, how do we operationalize this? Um, how do we, how do we uh, I guess you can start us off, Mark. What are some ways that we can take this principle and make it active? Yeah, well, um, I think the, the, the journey of that begins with each individual. I think each individual uh, has to uh, reflect for herself or himself about what their own human dignity entails and then think about uh, what it means to uh, ascribe that same dignity to all people, literally, as Matt said, literally all people, no matter where they come from or no matter what they look like or no matter what their circumstances are. And then begin to uh, apply that thinking to various particular issues of, of justice and, and make decisions you know, uh, make decisions to act based on, on, on that reflection. I think the reflection has to come first. Otherwise, otherwise, this becomes simply an issues-based 
um, uh, agenda and it doesn't become a dignity-based agenda. Mm. I think mm. if, if, if we kind of look at human dignity as in some ways the North Star that, you know, that, that guides our uh, uh, thinking on, on a, a whole range of particular issues, then it, it, you know, the, the, it, it becomes clearer as to you know, how we should think and how we should act uh, about those particular issues. So if I believe in the, in the dignity of human persons, of every human person, what does that say about my attitude toward the death penalty? How does that inform my, you know, and, and, and then how, how, how do I act upon that? How does it inform my thinking about, um, uh, uh, about immigration? And, and then what, what actions will I take Am I called to take based on that? We can't do everything about everything, but given our own circumstances, you know, what, what is God calling me to do based on my awareness of uh, my consciousness of, uh, of human dignity? Human dignity, you know, is, I think, one of the most important principles upon which to, to uh, inform our consciences, you know, it, it, it should it should guide our moral thinking. You know, it should uh, help us to avoid not not just personal sins, but social sins as well. So that to me is is, I think, at least, you know, one way to approach it. Yeah, I I've got some similar um, suggestions. Um, I, I think it, it also kind of starts with having to, to take a, a critical look at ourselves. Um, and, and I would suggest um, doing a, a daily exam. So this is slightly different than the examination of conscience that you may be familiar with for, for going to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And we'll, we'll get to that in a second. A daily exam is, um, you know, taking time to sit with God at the end of the day and, you know, thanking God for blessings you've received, kind of going through and, and um, you know, um, praying for, for anything that, you know, you feel needs to, to be prayed for and reflecting on, on where you have missed opportunities to participate in God's grace, um, where you've, um, you know, sinned by commission or omission, as, as the church says, either by, by doing something wrong or, or um, missing an opportunity to do something right. Um, and I think when, when we do this daily, um, and I, I challenge our listeners, you know, you don't have to do this for 20 minutes. You know, you can start small. Um, it is a practice that can grow, though, where if you, you really look at your day thoroughly, it can, it can take a while. But you're sitting there in God's peace. You know, you have to remember God wants you there. Um, and this is a, a time to just sit with God and review your day. And think back over, you know, everything that's happened and take the opportunity to ask in my interactions, did I or did I not treat this person or that person as someone made in the image and likeness of God? Um, and what that helps us to do is see where, where we need conversion. Um, you know, this is called living communion, that we, we want to live in communion with one another. We want to live out our Eucharistic call. 
We want to live as people who, who have God's life within us and are united in Christ. Um, and to do that, we have to recognize that we fall short, um, that we, we all need to grow. And this is particularly, I think, sometimes within families um, that, you know, that's where we get rubbed the most, right? Everyone's got the same habits, the same tendencies. Um, you're used to being people being a certain way. So even when they start changing, you maybe don't notice or you resist it because you, you have this image formed in your head of who they are, you know, all these things. Um, so whether it's your, your parents, your siblings, your children, your spouse, um, you know, more extended family, you know, we've got these patterns and we, we need to kind of sit and examine them and say, am I responding to the person they actually are right now? Um, am I treating them as, as I would want to be treated <laughs> um, or as, as they really deserve as made in God's image and likeness? And that doesn't mean that you just be nice all the time. Like people holding someone accountable is an act of love. If you do it the right way, <laughs> um, just ripping into someone isn't loving. Um, but, you know, having a, a deep conversation saying, look, we, we need to have a, a vulnerable, intimate conversation about this. Um, you know, this is really concerning to me and, and here's why. Um, that can, whether or not the person responds properly, that, that can be a, a deep moment of conversion for you because maybe you never would have done it that way before. Um, you know, or, or maybe you would have just avoided it because you're that kind of person. You don't like potentially uh, conflict-ridden situations. But, you know, what, whatever it may be, you know, examine our tendencies and then bring those, this is that, you know, growth piece, bring those to the sacrament of reconciliation. Because again, we, we need to grow. And going to reconciliation and saying, God, I failed and I need help is kind of the default position we should be in anyway. Um, you know, that's that's how our, our life is, that we we struggle with, with doing these things. So I think, you know, being willing to examine our lives and being willing to regularly come before God in the sacrament of reconciliation. Um, and if you're, you're not Catholic and you're listening to this, um, you know, time to get on board, um, but uh, maybe maybe a little less um, in, in that uh, vein. But, you know, if, if you aren't comfortable with reconciliation or, again, if you're not Catholic, um, take the time to pray to God and say, you know, I need help here. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll worry about the sacramental theology pieces later. Um, yeah. But I, I, I think that th that would be my, my starting point. And then my, my other point would be, you know, again, I made that, and I think we, we've all said it in, in one way or another during this conversation, you know, am I treating this person the way I would want to be treated? Um, I think we, we need to examine how we see ourselves. Because um, we don't always treat ourselves as people who are full of dignity, who are made in God's image and likeness. Um, you know, there, there's that phrase, you know, we're, we're a temple of the Holy Spirit from St. Paul. Um, do we treat ourselves? Do we, do we get enough sleep? Do we eat healthily? Do we exercise? Um, do we allow ourselves time to relax, go for a walk, 
Um, do we, uh, you know, take, take the time to um, have deep, meaningful conversations? Um, you know, how we see our lives and, and what we value is going to translate to how we treat and value other people. So we also have to start <laughs> with not selfishly, but um, humbly by coming before God and saying, how can I also better recognize and reverence the dignity that you've created me with? Because if we start treating ourselves that way and recognizing that that's the standard, then how will that affect how we see others and say, wow, you know, like their life is, is a mess. Um, not saying that they're a mess, but there's so much going on in their life that mitigates against being able to live a fully flourishing human life. What can I do to help change that? Um, how can I be a companion for this person? I think, I think that's another kind of inroad to thinking about this. If we start getting our own house in order, um, how, how does that change how we see kind of other people's houses? Yeah, and I think, um, you know, uh, you were talking, part of what you said too is about the conversations with other people. And one of the big, I think, challenges that people have is how do I talk to people who I disagree with? Part of the, th the reality is that if you had this fundamental orientation that it doesn't matter really if I disagree with this person or not, their dignity exists regardless. That has been a big issue <laughs> over this. I mean, I would say that when you're talking about application, this is probably one of the most hot issues right now because a lot of people will use phrases to demean other people's dignity. And this has been happening obviously since the beginning of time, um, potentially. Um, but you know, this is a reality that this is not Catholic, right? It's not about if somebody disagrees with you on this issue. It's not about if somebody's a, you know, in the past in church history, um, there were times when if somebody was a heretic, basically their dignity is lost. They can basically be killed at will because of the reality that they have lost. Like they have, they have kind of removed themselves from the kind of the sphere of worthiness of their, of their life. And this is the same thing with, with criminal activity in other forms at that time. At that time, that was a criminal activity. So for other criminal activities, it would remove you from having your own dignity. You have kind of given up your dignity by your criminal acts. And so some people still have that view in a political sense, right? If you believe this, you've kind of removed yourself from the sphere of dignity and therefore you can be kind of demolished like, you know, in any way or kind of like trampled upon. This is fundamentally problematic and not consistent with Catholic social doctrine. The fundamental reality and orientation should be, I have to reverence this person um, and I have to, and because I reverence this person, I have to reverence what they say and think, even if I think that they're wrong, just by the fact that they have, by, God has given them, just like he's given me reason, and even people who may not have the fullness of reason due to a disability or due to uh, other experiences, whether it be mental experience, psychological experiences, or trauma, or other things, that even then they still they still have the ability to express themselves, and I should reverence that. And, I, and like you were talking about fraternal correction and other things, that's also appropriate because out of love, out of love for their, their well-being and, and helping others. And so I think it's a fundamental reorientation. It's not about does this person agree with me that then establishes them in dignity. I think about how Christ calls us to forgive uh, our enemies and love our enemies because he says loving people that agree with you 
is what anybody would do, right? That's like a fun, like, it's just kind of like what you, it's, it's, it's almost like it takes no effort to do that. It's something that almost happens automatically. But when you actually primp, like have human dignity at the center, then you're constantly called to conversion. Every time you see a homeless person, you're called to conversion. Every time you, you see somebody who, who, you know, is struggling with a disability and you're like, you kind of, you kind of have a feeling of like, you know, almost like fear or maybe like anxiety or maybe feeling like, oh, I don't know how to interact with this person. Conversion experience time, right? When you, when you meet somebody who has a different political opinion than you and you're like, wow, I totally disagree with everything this person's saying. Conversion time, right? Not, I hate you, you're evil, bad people. No, conversion time. And remember that this person has dignity that you must respect by the command of God. Yeah. You know, we have, we have, you guys are both talking about uh, uh, ways in which we can either subtly or very uh, overtly dehumanize other people. If they're not as well educated as we are, if they're not the right color, if they're not employed, if they don't wear nice clothes, if they come from another country, if they don't speak our language, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's very, very easy for us to somehow place them below us, me, whoever I, I may be, in our uh, kind of uh, a personal pecking order of, of who's more human and less human. And, you know, that, that's... Uh, that's an ongoing, that's an ongoing conversion. And it's something, you know, because sometimes we inherited those prejudices. I inherited prejudices against uh, persons of color and, uh, and, and gay people. When I was growing up, I grew up in that an all lily white, straight Catholic environment. And so that's been part of my own personal journey is to acknowledge the, you know, the, the dignity of others who aren't white or Catholic <laughs> or straight or who are from South St. Louis. You know, it, it's uh, we, we all have our own journey of conversion uh, and, it, and it never ends. It, you know, it's something that's uh, it's something that's ongoing. I we have to be willing to face up to our own, you know, shortcomings, acknowledge them. Don't not deny them, face yeah. them, face the truth of ourselves. Exactly. I just want to touch on that one point that it's that it's critical to remember that every one of us has areas of this dehumanization of this not really upholding that. This is something it's a universal human experience, which is why the social doctrine, which is a universal call to all people of all people, regardless of their, their religious background, or whatever. This is a challenge. And so everyone is on this journey. And it's critical when we were talking before Matt and Mark were talking before about how this is like a personal, you have to look at yourself first. You have this, you struggle with this, whether it be people with disabilities, whether it be people from other countries, whether it be people of other political ideas, other races, other, uh, you know, socioeconomic backgrounds, you have this. And it's important to recognize it and say, other people have this too. And I have to reverence that they're at different places. They have different experiences and they're struggling with this in a different way, but I have to still have that same love for them. So I'll make a couple of quick comments. Um, I won't get into um, debating some of the <laughs> historical examples you mentioned earlier. Um, I think we, we slightly disagree on, on some of that. Um, not, not that <laughs> heretics were, were killed, they were, but um, the, the justification for it. Um, but um, 
I, I want to get into this idea of one being dismissive of people. Um, you know, anytime we're, we're dismissive of someone, we dehumanize them because we're, we're not giving them the time of day. And I can't remember if I used this quote before and I think I did from uh, St. Alberto Atali um, from Chile that he said, you know, sometimes we wonder, you know, if we waste time with a poor person um, that their troubles aren't worth our time. And he says, Christ for one of them came down from heaven and died. Like wasted time? No, it's not never wasted time. Um, you know, sometimes we have to prudentially, you know, use our time and say, you know, I can't have this conversation right now or, or whatever it may be. Um, but we, we can't just dismiss people because um, then we're, we're saying they're not important. And the, the other thing um, I, I wanted to get at, um, got to get my head back around this. Um, you know, we, when we talk about human dignity, um, you know, we were, we were talking about arguments and disagreements. And this is a pet peeve of mine. It's more than a pet peeve. I get, frankly, completely pissed off about it. It, it enrages me. Um, and I hope it's righteous indignation. But when I hear, and this is why, because I've met people who've had this experience, who said, you know, I was told that because of X, Y, or Z, I am going to hell um, because I, I voted for this candidate or I, I disagreed on this political position that someone told me I'm going to hell or because I identify as a member of this political party, whether I completely accept their platform or not, um, I'm going to hell. Um, let's get this straight. As Catholics, as Christians, the worst Thing you can ever say to anyone because of our belief system is damn you or go to hell. That is the worst thing you can ever say to anyone because of what it entails, complete separation from God. You are wishing the worst possible thing that can happen to a human being on that person. And let's remember what Jesus says. The measure with which you measure will be measured unto you. Judge not, lest you be judged. We can disagree with each other. Um, and it's good to disagree with each other. If we can converse and share opinions and listen and try to learn. I may not learn something that makes me change my opinion, but I may learn something about you and why this is such a struggle for you. And it may cause me to realize that actually, if I live out my position most fully, I need to expand what I'm doing to address some of your concerns. Heaven forbid we learn from each other and grow. <laughs> like, um, so we, we need to dial back the anger and the rhetoric and the dismissiveness like a hundredfold. Um, we, we have to do that. Um, so um, I, I think, you know, we, we've mentioned a lot here that we can try to apply. Um, pick something, do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just recognize that we have not exhausted <laughs> the conversation on human dignity. And if, when Matt corrects me, I'll let you guys know what he said, because I'm actually asking. <laughs> but, um, I, but it's important to remember, this is the prime, you know, we're going we're gonna to start moving through many different principles. So keep this in mind as we move through, right? All these principles are important, but the church has kind of singled this one out 
as being of particular importance and particularly growing relevance for our consciences as we move through. And just, you know, start to use this lens when you're evaluating social movements, when you're evaluating political speech and rhetoric, when you're evaluating, you know, how you're thinking about people, think about this and just bring this to mind. Um, Thank you for joining us with Living Communion. We are on a exciting journey with you. And so we hope that you continue to uh, like, subscribe, send this to your friends and family uh, and all those amazing things. We will see you soon here at Living Communion. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave us a comment there. Like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you so much for Living Communion. This has been a Cathedral Studios production.